most people don't know themselves at all. They don't know what they don't. They know what they don't like, but they don't know what they like or what they want, what they would like more of. It's so easy to stay into the negative and to stay in, in, in that energy of lack, of things missing, instead of like the abundance of life, of what we have. What are the things that you love about yourself? What are the things you love about your partner? And once you start drawing that in, you just start getting more of that. Welcome to the Menopause Mastery Podcast, a show for women just like you who are ready for more health, vitality, passion, living life with a purpose. I created this show because I knew that women just like me in this second season of life, the season of menopause, are really tapping into their deepest desires. And we're ready to harness our physical and mental health and explore what our true passions are and peel back the layers to uncover exactly what we want out of life. I'm your host, Betty Murray, part geek, part magician, and your new medical bestie with a dash of sass. I love taking the complex science and making it easier to integrate into daily life. So let's join the journey to make this season the best ever. All right, Juliet, I am excited to talk to you today and having you join us on Menopause Mastery uh, because your subject matter is so very important, I think, for women embarking on this time period of life. And it is a lot of what is underlying maybe a little bit of our distrust, sense of missing something out. We don't know what we nearly really need. Maybe we're missing our legacy. And you kind of tackle all of it as a coach. So I want to, I want to chat with you about all that juicy tidbits that you help people go through. But first, I'd love to hear, how did you get here? I, the story of people's lives are so important to me. I'm, I'm a mother. You know, I'm a mother for young adults, all in their 20s. I had four kids in under three years' time, which people think, like, you're crazy. <laughs> yes, probably. Um, and, you know, I, I really had a really good life, but there were just things in our marriage that didn't work. I ended our marriage and then went straight into a relationship with a man with three children. So between the two of us, we had seven children, seven different schools, seven different holidays. It was like running an army. So I didn't particularly take care of myself. I took care of everyone else except for myself. I used to be an interior designer and taught special educational needs to, to children because two of my kids are very dyslexic. So at one point when I was at Forgiving and the relationship got a little bit toxic with that many children involved, it's always difficult, right? And all the exes, et cetera, that I spent nine months in and out of hospital because I kept fainting. So I was you know, a super independent woman, all of a sudden falling out in the streets in the market. So yeah, that was a bit of a wake-up call. And that is how I got more into the psychology of it, more into the personal development, where I had to kind of hit rock bottom for me to listen to what was happening to me. You know, talking to my guests that I've had over this last year, and then definitely my clients over the last, you know, near two decades, your story is, you know, maybe not the huge blended family, not for everybody, but I think it's so true. It's for, yeah, it's very familiar. And people always say, you know, it was really unique to me. And I'm like, actually, no, I think that's, that's the critically sad part of it, mm -hmm. that we have to hit rock bottom to get there. Now, you, you went through that transformation yourself. You really went inward. And you really looked at how you spoke to yourself and, and your, how you communicate with yourself. That's the core of a lot of what you do. 
Let's talk deeply about that because most women, right. we wouldn't repeat what we say to ourselves to anybody else. Would you even be friends with anyone that that speaks to you in the way that you speak to yourself, right? And this is the thing. So, yes, so I went inside. I also found a group that really helped me. And I I started doing a lot of personal development, a lot of group coaching programs, et cetera. But it was funny. It's it's all about communication. This uh, weekend, I co-led a retreat in London, and it was wonderful. And actually, it's all about the essence, who we are at our core. And as I was sitting down and I was making myself some breakfast this morning and I put out this beautiful little placemat and a nice, nice plate and my eggs and the cups and the egg cups and, and the toast with you know, grains with, uh, with lots of avocados. I was thinking, and I took a picture of it. It's like, oh, it's actually that is communicating to myself that I actually honor and I love this body and I love myself that I'm taking enough time to make myself a meal, to make it look pretty, to have it presented in a way that I actually want to sit down and have a few minutes to eat. And a lot of people would be like, yeah, I don't have time for that. It's like, what are you communicating to yourself? What are you communicating to the universe, to God, to, to the higher power, that you actually don't take the time for yourself? You don't find yourself important. So I know that's, that's a little bit off the topic of communication, but yet it is so much. Everything is a communication. It, it might be overtly communicated through language, or it's the things that we do. It's the things, how we be, how we are as a human, right? It's how do we dress ourselves? What do we wear? How do we look at the world? What do we accept? How do we accept um, people treating us? You know, what are the requests that we make of people? Hey, you know, I don't want you to speak to me like that. That's a request. But when it becomes a boundary, it's like, if you speak to me like that, I will leave the room. And there's a huge difference energetically in, in how we can actually be in this communication, be in this full essence of who we are, and that we're not afraid to shine, that we're not afraid to be who we are. Oh my gosh. You know, it's, it's so funny. I, I look at the last two and a half years of, you know, viral containment. We'll call it that just, you know, for the, no, for the, love it. for <laughs> the bots, for the bots that wouldn't allow us to say those things. But, you know, one of the things, and I, I'm a typical type A, anybody that listens to my podcast, I have to work really hard at not being a human doing, right? Like I, my nature is to do that. And I remember in the, in the middle of, you know, being locked down and everything, I was getting ready one morning and I was still seeing people because we were working all virtually. So I, you know, my clinic became 100% virtual. And that morning I had a little bit of time and I was like, oh, I'm going to put on lotion today. Yeah, I'm going to put on lotion. And so I was like, you know, three weeks into the quarantine, I'm like, I'm putting on lotion every day. I'm like, wow, I need to thank the virus for just doing something so simple as lubricating the skin on my body as a menopausal woman. <laughs> and I was like, how pitifully sad is that, that my perception prior to that was, that was something I did maybe sometimes, but I didn't have enough time for it. How long does it take to put on lotion? Seriously. Completely. <laughs> and you know, we might put on moisturizer and I'm, I'm one of these people too. I'll put on moisturizer and they're like, eh, I know it's a bit rough, but oh, yeah, not today. <laughs> not to, no one sees it. So who cares? Like, yeah, if it, no one sees it. Right. So I think that's a, I think but I see it and I feel it. Right. It's big. Well, and then that brings up that point of oftentimes, particularly as women, because we're judged physically. And I know we can jump into that conversation and body image and all this other stuff. But we worry about this outward picture. What, is, what does everybody see? 
And we'll let the skin be scaly underneath. We'll let the destruction happen inside as long as this outer vehicle looks the way society says it's supposed to look, right? And it, it comes down to making a beautiful meal, right? Just making a beautiful meal and sitting and being with it and having that meal is amazing. Yeah. But it's so funny, right? So so in, in our retreat, there were a few ladies that had that beautiful facade where everything looked perfect there. And, and honestly, I my life looked like this, right? Four kids, beautiful husbands, beautiful life, wonderful houses. You know, everything just looked perfect. Yet, underneath, emotionally, I just wasn't happy. And it's not that I wasn't happy only in our relationship, but I wasn't happy with me. And now looking back on on so much, it's like, oh, my God, you know, it was like the wake up call that it was just like, you don't have to change your outside because that's what everyone tries to do first. It's like, let's cut the hair. Let's lose some weight. Only if I, I would, you know, I would feel so insane if I had bigger breasts, smaller breasts, bigger boom, bigger butt, smaller, thinner, whatever it is, right? Have a boyfriend, have a husband, have children, have not children. But it's like, what about if I change how emotionally I feel about things? And if I start looking back at the things that are actually blocking me, which often are emotionally things that we just swept under the carpet. Yeah. And and an intense experience that happened too fast for our minds, for our bodies, for our psyche to process, and that we've just shoved away and we have this beautiful contained facade. Except as people start scratching it a little bit, we break out in tears and it starts crumbling down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's um, part of my hormone reset program is a huge part of like, we have to look inwardly at ourselves and and because so many women, because I, I think I, I love this time period of life because many, many, I, I happen to be child free, but many people that their children are now grown or pretty close to grown. And so this is a time period, the second season of life where we start going, what does it all mean? What do I want in my life? But I have so many women that then go, I'll start doing that or I'll start feeling that way or I'll start, I'll step out on that stage or whatever it is. Once my body looks the way I expect it to look, which is an unachievable state because it's always some astronomically crazy expectation. And I'm like, if you just stepped out on the stage and did it, guess what? The body would probably follow. Really? <laughs> you know? So do you find, I mean, I'm sure you find that all the time that there's this huge block and, and working through that is, is somewhat painful, you know, and scary. Yeah. And I love that you're, you have, menopause in this period of time is really it is it's like our second almost like blooming again right so one of the first group programs that i started that i made was uh, the love your midlife method which goes into all of this and really it is we have blocks we just don't know that we have blocks and then all of a sudden because we've kept so busy during life we get so busy doing like the question is like what do you do it's like well, who am I? Is that what you're asking me? Or are you asking me what I do? What if I don't do anything, but I be everyone? People get taken aback when I say something like that. They're like, oh, what do you mean? I'm like, well, yeah, I am. I am a mother, I'm a this and that. But what I do is actually I have people feel again. And they're like, what do you mean? Like feel your emotions, feel all the sensations in your body again. And People get a bit scared and like, no, 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 our relationship is just fine and dandy. Thank you very much. <laughs> and then you talk to both people separately and they're like, oh, not sure. I think, you know, I think you might be cheating on me. We might want a divorce. And it's like, 
what about we bring it back to what you loved about each other? What about bringing it back to some, to some communication? Now, this is why communication is really key. Learning about your feelings, first of all, and then what emotions you have, what's going on in your body, and then being able to communicate it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, again, if you look at divorce rates, I mean, they, they spread throughout the decades for sure, but we had a huge like uptick and upramp in our late 40s and early 50s because I think everybody spends that, those two decades prior, like, okay, we just got to get the kids functional, <laughs> right? And then they get done with that. And if they made it through that process, they don't really know each other anymore because all they did was manage schedules and kids and expectations and all of a sudden, they're two people that share a home and they don't, they don't even know how, they don't even know their own selves well enough to be able to communicate what they want to someone else. So, so true. Most people don't know themselves at all. They don't know what they don't, they know what they don't like, but they don't know what they like or what they want, what they would like more of. It's so easy to stay into the negative and to stay in, in, in that energy of lack of things missing instead of like the abundance of life of what we have. What are the things that you love about yourself? What are the things you love about your partner? And once you start drawing that in, you just start getting more of that. Right, right. You know, it was interesting. I was reading an article that you had written and, um, and it was talking about, you know, a lot of couples will get to this time period of life, or maybe they were prior to this and they're in a sexless marriage or it's like once a month, you know, this sort of, it just, we sort of happen to fall together and it sort of hits or whatever. And they often end up in counseling or coaching because they're not having sex, right? Or, and, and they think the problem is that they're not having sex. I want you to talk about that because that's huge. So that's it. You know, I mean, I have quite, a, I've had quite a few clients and I have one couple at the moment that have been together for years and you can see the love between them, but it's kind of become like a, maybe like roommates, right? Like roommates, people living together, they've got kids together, but the spark has gone. The va-va-voom is completely gone. So let's be honest, right? It's it's like some of them haven't even had sex in 23 years time. So the thing is, most of them are, are, are focused on what they're doing, on what we have to do. And they've stopped connecting. They've stopped actually seeing what it was about the other person that turned you on that you loved what what were the things that you loved doing for them because everything's just become a chore right it, it's that newness that gives off endorphins in our brain and we're like oh all those feel-good chemicals so i give them homework to actually take sex off the table they're not allowed to have sex but then i teach them to have date morning or a date night but actually i i try to tell them like don't do the things that you'd normally do so you know you'd go out to dinner so what about switching it up and making it a date morning you know eight o'clock to whatever to 10 o'clock in the morning put your phones away make sure that there are no phones no distractions if you still have kids you've got babysitters you're not going to talk about the children, not going to talk about work, not going to talk about the house or whatever needs to be done. But really start focusing on each other. Do a pattern interrupt. You know, like maybe, maybe go kite flying or things that you would never think that you would actually like, but experience something new together. And, and experience those two hours together and, and ask each other interested questions, open questions like, hey. What do you love about this? It's we start building communication. 
So what I love to do is I, I like to have them play communication game. It's called a dyad. So it's the same prompt that you ask each other for 20 minutes. But what happens is you alternate and then you go deeper and deeper. So the first few questions, well, it's, you'll, you'll get answers that are just like a bit swimming on the surface. And one would be like, tell me what you love about me. And um, so I would say, well, what I love about you is your openness, the way that you um, include women in all your programs and the way you really have them feel better about themselves. You understood it. You say, thank you. And then you ask me the same prompt again. So, uh, or I would ask you the same prompt, you know, we alternate. And in the beginning, it's, it's a little bit surface swimming, but in the end, you go so deep. And then after that, it's like, oh, my God, I really love this person in front of me. And I see and he, they are, are showing me things about myself that I've completely forgotten. And it's such an eye-opener. And then from there on, it becomes much easier to start asking for what kind of touch you may want at one point. What kind of, you know, what kind of romantic gestures you want. Because... People don't know how to ask for these things. They don't know how to communicate these. Well, you know, and I think a lot of us, I mean, my husband and I have been together, probably come totally together about 25 years, married for almost 22 of those. And you kind of fall back on, well, I know you because we've been together for so long. But what you find uh, restorative or intimate may have changed over time. And your way into pleasure might not be the same way as, as he has. And just because you've done things in a certain way doesn't mean that you can't try new things. I mean, I love taking couples through like a whole different experience and like, you know, try mindfulness, try just looking in each other's eyes, try, you know, putting on music and not having any sound or not having any communication, but just, I mean, all kinds of tantra exercises, right? You can make it as big or as small as you want to, but really it's like, how do we communicate with or without words? So that's one of my courses is called Scrumptious Communication because it is actually, it's, it's a masterclass, but it's learning how, how to have open-ended questions, how to, how to be curious Stay curious in your relationship, in your relationship with yourself, in your relationship with your, your children, with your husbands, with your friends, because that is the beauty of life, right? Yes, yes. You know, it's interesting because I think all these things contribute to obviously lack of communication and, you know, lack of sexual context, you know, sexual connection. But then I think it leads to this sort of insecurity that often shows up. It's like, we haven't done this in so long or in the right way. And then it's like, oh my gosh, it's all, all of a sudden you're back to your first sexual experience kind of fear, which I, I, cause I hear from people. That's not my specialty, of course, cause I'm looking more at the biochemistry and everything, but I hear that a lot. It's like, I'm just so insecure about the experience now. What would you say to, to, to your clients that do that? Cause I mean, I, I hear it a lot. Completely. And that's one of the beautiful prompts. Like, tell me what sex means to you because we don't know. But what does it mean to you? What does intimacy mean to you? Tell me how do you want, how do you, how would you like to be touched? You know, if you just do five minutes prompts like that, you learn a hell of a lot about your partner <laughs> and you learn about yourself as well. I mean, because, you know, we have these body issues, right? I mean, we, we see these incredible looking people on, on Instagram and on social media, filters, no filters, whatever. 
And it has us feel like, oh, there's a bit too much here. The skin is woggly. It's not so elastic anymore. And we just put doubt and doubt and doubt on ourselves. But what about if you can actually start feeling just one part, maybe just your finger, and notice what happens when you put your fingers together really slowly. Slowly rub it up and down. Can you feel every ridge of your finger? Do you like it when there's more pressure and there's less pressure? Maybe a little bit faster. Maybe take your finger to the ridge of your, your nail. And if you slow it down and can communicate a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, harder, softer, less pressure, more pressure, you start actually opening that up. It's like, oh, I actually have sensations. But we often don't have the language for it. We don't have the, the vocabulary for it. So if it, is it static? Is it moving? Is it battery? Is it velvety? Is it warm? Is it cool? What's the, what's the, the sensation? Is it expansive? Is it tight? And you just start thinking like, oh my God, there's so many ways that I can actually express what I'm feeling which my partner will then also understand. Because if you say, oh, I feel sad, or that doesn't feel good, then that closes it down. Instead of it saying, oh, that feels a bit contracted and cold, they can then in their body also understand. It's like, oh. And if you move your hand a little bit softer and then slower, that feels much more warm in my body and open and expansive. So you can then start to communicate it this way. And once once there's that curiosity, then, you know, then that's where the fun starts. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, so many, I would say, particularly women, you know, we've been engendered and and through societal kind of conditioning, you know, we're good. either either you're prim and proper, right? And that's what I was told, like sex was something you just didn't do until marriage and it was supposed to, to procreate. Oh, or, and then if you're not, you're a slut. Right. And so we don't even have this language to communicate often to communicate what feels good to us, how to, we may not even know what feels good to us, but to communicate it in a way that feels safe and comforting. That, that's a huge hurdle for some people to leap and most of us. It's a huge thing because that's it, right? Who has taught us about sex? What, what have we learned about it? What have our parents taught us? What has school taught us? What has society taught us? Religion. And all of a sudden, you start looking at all this programming and it's like, that's not even me. And so all these outside influences have just influenced us. And, and we've taken that on as gospel. It's like, oh, that is how I should behave. And then the guilt of like, oh, my God, I actually like sex, but I'm quite religious. Or yeah, I've had marriage before sex and I'm terrible. Or... I like stuff which is out of the ordinary. You just feel so much shame. You feel like you're all alone. So I would say there's also porn doesn't help, right? Porn kind of has it be that, you know, women just have, you know, get juiced up and want intercourse immediately. It's like it takes 40 minutes to 45 minutes to actually stimulate and to get a woman's body lubricated and, and get up to speed so they can be penetrated. So often, we get penetrated by hands or by, by, by any body parts way before we're ready, which means that means the body really tightens up and it creates that grasping and they're like, Ugh, you know. So um, 
So honestly, start looking for communities out there. There's so much online. Um, I'm an erotic blueprint coach as well. I have a program on that where it's discover your way into pleasure. Start looking at what what's actually turns you on. What are the things that you like? Do you like, you know, do you smell something and you're like, oh my God, my whole body just relaxes when I put candles and I can smell like a fig and eat it. And that's what we call the sensual. And there's also uh, an energetic being, which, you know, when you come into a room, you feel the energy, which also means that you can you can feel the vibrations of people. So oftentimes they need much slower, much lighter touch than anyone else. Then you have the sexual that we talk about normally and, you know, that likes talking about sexual parts and and the aim is often climax or intercourse and then there's kinky kinky is anything which is outside the norm so it could be just getting undressed in front of each other or it could be psychological or impact play and then there's another part which is called the shapeshifter so that has a little bit of everything and so unless you start knowing about these things and once i started learning about this i'm like oh my god i have shapeshifted to my partners always and always because you know that was one of my things that I, I knew of pleasure but it was like that was the only way that and, and I kind of felt like I was starving because there were so many other parts of me that weren't met and once you know this once once there are other people out there there's so much acceptance it's it's really the empathy it's the me too it's like oh my god I'm not a weirdo <laughs> Me too. There are other people out there, or there are other people out there that aren't having sex, or that are having like not very good sex. But these days, no one should have pain when they're having intercourse. No one should should allow to to have sex against their will. But really, have it the way that you want it. Yeah, which really takes that communication piece, especially if you're in a loving and and caring relationship. You know, if you were to isolate men and ask them what they want, what they want is to make their partner feel amazing, right? Like that, that is their biggest sexual turn on, but they can't do that. You know, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, if they don't know what you want, and then regardless of somebody's, you know, sexual preferences and things like that, the partners always, there's generally in a loving relationship, wants to contribute to the pleasure of their partner. Completely. And that's the thing, right? That's the thing that we we often don't understand. It's like, yeah, but then he'll just think that I'm high maintenance. It's like, be high maintenance, be a high maintenance woman, because then you actually know exactly what you want and you're setting yourself and your partner up for success. So there's also a way that you can communicate. I mean, I hear most partners in a long-term relationship say, oh, I wish you would just be like Nikki. It's like, whoa, <laughs> It's like, how would you like to hear a communication like that? It's like, mm, okay. it's like, instead of saying, I love what Nikki does for his wife. And it has me feel a little bit lonely that we don't have the same kind of relationship. It's, a, it's the same communication, but in a completely different way. The other way, it, it actually shows, hey, I'm feeling a little bit sad. And I want, you know, I feel a little bit envious because I actually want that kind of communication or that kind of relationship. And I know we have it in us. Yeah. Yeah. The language matters. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you always or you never. I mean, those those two things, I just have people strike out of their, their vocabulary. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, oh, goodness, don't don't do that at all. So 
so it's so it's interesting because I keep going back and, and you know listening to this communication and, and partnership, and that's often where people sort of scramble, and that's where they spend a lot of energy. But ultimately, what you're saying it's the internal work. Like you have to work on yourself first before really you can come together as a couple. And it makes me think. So one of the things that I did as I kind of transitioned into menopause was I had, I had the same thing. You know, I remember reading your story about being very busty very early. You know, and that was the same girl just out to hear, you know, the, the boys saying, can you touch your elbows behind your back? All that. I mean, just, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, the drill and just like, my face is here. Yeah, my face is here. I would wear these, I would wear these gigantic sweatshirts and like junior high. And t- cause I just didn't want anybody to see me. And, um, so grew up with the same sort of body shame. So as I go into my forties and, you know, I want my relationship to be stronger. I want to not look in my body and start picking it apart in the mirror. So the two things that I did is I would stand in front of the mirror and and start looking for the thing that I liked, right? So I was like, okay, I, I let it rip about what I didn't like too, but I was like, okay, and now I need to find the thing that I like. And the other thing I did, which is a lot of people just like, I can't believe you did it. I would take pictures for my husband, you know, and I, and I, you know, yes, I took like 30 pictures and one, I would, you know, be like, I like that one. And that would be the, yeah, and I was like, just like, there'll be like two or three that you might want to share. Yeah. Taking the pictures for yourself, right? Well, and that's ultimately what it was for. It was more for me because at first I was like, well, I'm going to show him this one that I like. And, and then afterwards, it was really for me because then I would look at those pictures periodically and be like, I looked pretty there, you know, or I looked good. And, and it was this slow shift in accepting my body, but not acceptance isn't the word I'm looking for. It's finding beauty in that body. Starting to love your body, right? And I love what you're saying that you started looking at the positive things. But often it's like, this is what we hear often with affirmations, just be positive. And I say bullshit to that. You know, you have to have both. You have, we live in a dualistic world, right? So you need to also have access to the negative stuff. So oftentimes what I'll do with my, my clients is have them look in the mirror and I, I do an exercise called tap and bitch because I'm a tapper as well. So, so we tap all the spots and then they just bitch about what they see. You know, it's like these stretch marks in the belly and look at all these flabby this and that. And it's so cathartic to actually be able to say all the stuff that you don't like about yourself to someone else or to yourself in the mirror. And actually what happens is you'll start yawning, you'll start releasing some energy or or yeah, usually yawning or, or, or burping or something will come out. It's like, oh, I'm, it's not that stuck anymore. And then start looking at the things. It's like, oh, this I like. It's like, I like my cheekbones. I like my eyes. And then that sometimes might be all it is. It's like, oh, I like the shape of my hands. Or, you know, I like the, the, the shape, the little indentation of my knee. And slowly and surely, it really starts building up. Well, what I love doing is writing a love letter to my body and really like a love letter and just saying, hey, I've hurt you and I've squeezed you into jeans that were five sizes too small and you know, put you on the most restrictive diets. I've uh, you know, birthed four children and then stretch marks and really didn't treat you in the way that I want to honor you and now I really want to honor you and I love you and you've you know you've produced these four children and you've you've carried me all these years and I have them take some time and put really beautiful music on but it's 
so, so cathartic. Oh, yeah. I just, uh, it's, it's, and it's something that I think a lot of people shy away from because as a nutritionist, right? I, most people want to focus on these very tangible, like what, what macro am I eating? What is this? And that is part of the thing, but I'm like, if you can't get this out here to look like what you want, if you're talking trash in here the whole time. Oh God, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not going to work at all. And, you know, and again, I, I, I think your work is so profound because you won't be able to have the relationship with someone else if you trash talk yourself like that. Like, how can, how can someone else love you the way that you deserve if you can't at least start to love yourself the way you want to be loved? So true. One of the, um, one of the participants this weekend said, space for grace. So give yourself the space for grace to be to have all those feelings, to really start acknowledging who you are. Yeah. So when you're working like in these uh, workshops and things like that, do you find that when, I'm going to use women because that's the primary target of our, of our show, but I do have some men that listen to it. Smart guys. Um, but do you find that for a lot of women that as they go through this journey, they also tap into maybe a career change or, or something like that, that they want and, and that also reaching for that new thing, whatever it might be. I want to be an artist. I want to paint, whatever it is, that that, that helps their relationships also. Completely. And also, I would say even when they start focusing more on themselves, all of a sudden they have a new career or they'll, they'll start taking up a new hobby and everything around them changes. So it's the more attention you put on yourself and your inner emotions, the more your surroundings of you, everyone around you starts noticing it and that starts changing. And I've had women work on themselves without the husband and coming back after a few few sessions saying, oh my God, my husband has completely changed. It's like, well, actually you've completely changed and that has has seen, you know, he's seen that and he wants to also acknowledge that and he's loving it. Well, everything just changes, right? New, you bring in new friends, new opportunities, and, uh, pay rises. It's, it's just been crazy. Everything drops into space, into place all of a sudden. Yeah, because I think, um, you know, if we look statistically, the, you know, women actually contribute more to society. So if you were to look at accomplishments, doing whatever it is they're doing in this season of life, it is not the, 25 to 30 year old, at least historically, that makes major contributions. It's actually when we hit this time period of life, because there's a wisdom that happens here. And there is, again, I think an inward focus that hope, hopefully shows up and, and allows women to do that. But I find so many times people start to think of this midlife, which I struggle with that word, but that, that we're on the other side of the mountain. So therefore, I shouldn't do something. Like people were like, when I went back to get my PhD, why would you do that? You know, why, why would you do that at 49 years old? I'm like, because I wanted to. <laughs> People looked at me and like, you're studying again? <laughs> you're like, yes. Like, but you're working really hard. I'm like, yeah, I'm really loving it. And I'm really helping a lot of other people. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is, it's interesting. So I think, I think that whole getting into, you know, that inner person is so important. So if we were to kind of wrap this in sort of a, a wrapper and give my listeners something really juicy, like two or three things that they should really focus on, what would you tell my listener to like, if they wanted to start doing this work, right? What would you give them as their homework from today? 
I would love people, this is one of the, the homework pieces I give people, I would love people to put a timer on their phone for twice, twice a day for one minute to 90 seconds. So either 60 seconds or 90 seconds. And then just check in with yourself, put the phone away, take a deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth, and then notice what's the thought that's coming up. And then really allow yourself to have that thought and notice what's the emotion that's coming up. And to fully feel that emotion, not to just feel it and like, ah, oh, shove it under the carpet, but now fully feel it. It doesn't take longer than a few seconds, not longer than, than 60 seconds to move it. And then notice what's coming up in your body. What are the body sensations? Where in your body are you feeling temperature? Is there any friction? What's the quality of it? Is there prickliness? Is there expansion, contraction? It's soft, is it hard? Perhaps there's an image. Really allow yourself to feel. That is how you start to feel, how you start to thaw up your body and your mind. And do that twice a day and notice how much difference that makes. Another thing that I teach people is really to be aware of gratitude. What are the two things that you loved about today? Even when they're tiny little things, it's like, oh, I love the way that the sun hit my face when I was living outside, or the way that I could take a breath and just see the beautiful sky, or the way that this, this gentleman uh, you know, stopped the car and then had me cross the zebra crossing, whatever it is, but start becoming aware of the little things that you like. And then make a list of what you loved about your partner. That's one of the like the major things. It's like start making a list. It's like when you were together, what did, what are three things that you loved about each other? And what were three things that you loved about yourself at that point as well? Oh, those are great. <laughs> I mean, they're small things, but they will make a massive difference. Yeah, the easy to implement small things, yeah, are exponential when you do them consistently. Completely. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Gosh, this has been such a good talk. Oh my gosh, we could talk forever. We haven't even talked about like, you're talking about your erotic blueprint. Like we could go off on that one for a while too. We'll have to come back and do that again. Because again, you have to explore that side. You can't have the relationship that you want if you don't know kind of your blueprint and where to go with that too. Gosh, Pleasure blueprint, right? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, Juliet, do you have a way that our listeners can get a hold of you? Anything you'd like to let them know? Yes, absolutely. So, my website is called feelfullyyou.com. Um, and I am on Instagram as Juliet Caraman uh, and on Facebook as well. I have um, an upcoming communication, scrumptious communication masterclass. There'll be the pleasure codes. There'll be, there'll be small masterclasses um, to, for like two, three days or so that people can drop into. And if they actually love it, then we can always have a bigger mastermind. But it's, uh, I've just noticed the, the power of group work where it's so powerful to do, do things together because one person pops and then someone else has a realization because of that. Yes, I love group. And, you know, sometimes women are frightened of that because they don't want to share because they think what they're going through is so personal. It is personal to them, but it, that they're the only one. And I'm like, oh, I promise you, 
thought the whole room has the same issue, but they may not ask the question because you're there to ask the question so everybody can help learn from each other. It's huge. Completely, completely. That's what we saw this weekend. Small group, but so potent because of what was happening and that they could all open up. Safety is so important, right? Yeah. And especially after two years of being quarantined and, and being alone, that isolation's terrible. Well, and we'll make sure to link to all of those in the show notes as well. Amazing. Well, Juliet, thank you so much for being on the show. Juliet's actually from the UK. So we made this work with the time change. So thank you so much for doing that. And yes, and thank you. And we'll have you back on and talk about erotic blueprint and pleasure blueprint at some point as well. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Menopause Mastery Podcast. You are why I'm here, and I am so very grateful. Hit subscribe so you don't miss any wisdom on creating the most exceptional life on our terms. If this episode has helped you in any way, please share it with a friend to spread the love and together we rise. You can follow me on social media at Betty Murray PhD and you can reach me online at BettyMurray.com. 